Well, good morning. We have a we'll have a skeleton crew today. I think there's some some sickness going on, and uh, I know that uh, Sage has gone over to the to the urgent care for an ear infection. So be in prayer for Sage and and uh, Andrew and Jerry as well to figure out what's going on. It's good. How'd you get that? Just popped right over. We got the, our uh, newest addition to the church this morning, and uh, yeah. What do you think about it, Ethan? You like it? You like your sister? <laughs> Nothing yet. It'll take a while. I'm 37 years into it. I'm still trying to figure out if I like mine or not. <laughs> All right. Well, it's, it's good to be back. I know we've had some weather this week, and I appreciate everybody uh, getting out and, and uh, trying to dodge the, the ice patches. I had to call Maria earlier on the way here to tell her where to for the dodge because it's still a little icy out there. Um, if you got your Bible, I'm going to go ahead and give you a heads up. It's going to take you a second to find this. We're going to be over in Haggai this morning. So if you, <laughs> and probably for the next several weeks, we'll be in Haggai. It's only two chapters, but um, I'm, I've been really doing some study on it. And it's just been, it's been, it's been a tough week uh, for me to, to try to, to pin this down because there's, there's a lot in here. If you've ever read Haggai, the book of Haggai, again, it's only two chapters. And it's, um, it's it's packed with stuff for us right now, um, and it, we're, today we're going to look at uh, uh, rebuilding the church. And I don't want y'all when I, when we get into it, I don't want y'all think that I, I'm talking about rebuilding this church because that's not where it's going. But it's talking about where God when God calls us and what we're to do when He calls us to do things. Um, but Haggai is a it's a really good book, and I was when I was reading this in, in my Bible, y'all's won't say it, and that's, mine's King James, but <laughs> at the very top of the chapter, it always gives a, kind of an overview of the book and and this is probably where we'll be going for the rest of the for at least the next three or four weeks but mine is broken down into four sections and it's called a call to rebuild the temple a call to courage a call to change lives and a call to faith in the future and i thought man this this prophet Haggai, the way that this was wrote down the way that god spoke to him um it speaks to us i mean if you really think about it a call to rebuild the temple our body it's what God has called a temple, and we need to rebuild our temple. There, there's things in our lives that we need to, uh, we got some, some, some cracks, we got some, some paint chips, we got some rust, we got some mold, we got some stuff in our temples that we need to be rebuilding. So again, this will tie into us, and it says a call to courage. We need that, not just for ourselves, but we need to be an encouragement to others. And then he says a call to change lives. And that one right there, we'll probably park on that one for a little while because I like the call to change lives because that's what we, we're here to do as disciples for Jesus, as his hands and feet. We need to be uh, helping people change their lives spiritually, uh, sometimes physically, emotionally. We need to be there with them to help change those lives. And the last part, the fourth part, says a call uh, to faith in the future. And it's, for us is to, to give someone hope because there's people in the world right now, now that they need hope. They, their, their future looks bleak. Their future doesn't look very promising. And so we can be, uh, and, and God can call us uh, to give others faith in the future. Because some of us have been through a lot and, and our, when our future didn't look too good. So we can be an encouragement to others. But anyway, that's, that's the four parts that my Bible has broken down Haggai. So that's kind of where we'll be for the next few weeks, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, so what happens when God speaks to you? I mean, think about, think about when God has spoken to you. What, what happens to you? 
sometimes it shocks you. Sometimes it scares you. Sometimes it worries you. You know, if God talks to you, sometimes when he speaks to you, it worries you. Lord, I, I don't know about that. Are you sure? God's never spoken to you if he wasn't sure. When he, speaks, when he speaks to you, he knows that plan. He knows he's sure he's talking to the right man or the right woman. He's talking to the right person for whatever he's calling you to do. So when God calls or when God speaks, what, how do you, how, what happens to you? Everybody's different. Hopefully, hopefully his children hear him. Uh, as children, though, we tend to ignore people. If you've had kids in your life before, uh, they tend to ignore sometimes. They don't, they don't want to listen to what was just said. But hopefully God's children are hearing him speak. Hopefully God's children will respond to that call, to when he speaks. He wants us to respond because he has a plan for us. Hopefully we'll repent. Sometimes he speaks to us when he calls us and he's telling you, you need to, you need to get things right. You need, to, you need to confess. You need to repent. You need to get things, your life back in order. Get your house back in order. But then, when it's all said and done, God responds. God responds. God guides you. God equips you. God leads you. That's what he does. So God does respond. After he speaks, he responds. And he's going to help us with whatever it is that he's called us to do. If you got your Bible open, Haggai, I think I'll give you enough time to find it. I was dragging my feet just for y'all. If you will, stand with me just a second. It's a hard book to find. Haggai chapter 1, and we're going to read all chapter 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, as Rebabel, the son of Shiltel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of uh, Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in the sealed, which means sealing houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Now remember that little part. Consider your ways. Ye have shown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but have not enough you drink but ye are not filled with drink ye clothe you but there is none warm and he that earneth wages earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes thus saith the lord host again he says consider your ways go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house and i will take pleasure in it and i will be glorified saith the lord you look for much and lo it came to little and when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of mine house that is waste. And ye run every man into his own house. Therefore, the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I, and I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon the labor of the hands. And Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, uh, and Joshua, the son of Jesedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, and the Lord their God had sent him and the people did fear before the Lord 
Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, and the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jesdek, uh, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, in the fourth and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Let's pray. Father, this morning it is, uh, it's, it's humbling, Lord, to stand behind this sacred desk, Lord, to stand behind this pulpit, Father, and, and bring the word that you've laid upon my heart. Father, I pray that each person that's here today could receive it. Uh, Father, I pray that it would touch someone that is here. Lord, if there be one here struggling with the call that you may have placed on their life, whatever that call may be, Father, I pray that they'd find encouragement through your prophet's word. Lord, I pray they'd find encouragement uh, through the, the children, Lord, as they have just came out of, of exile. Lord, they've, they've spent so much time uh, pondering back on, on what uh, their family, their, their lineage had gone through. But, Father, I pray that through the word today uh, we can find comfort and seek guidance and, and know that you are speaking and you're still calling your, your people, your children, to do great things here in, in the world. God, we thank you. We love you. Lord, we pray for those that are sick today. Lord, those that are unable to be here for whatever reason. Father, I pray that you give them peace to, today with wherever they're at. God, we thank you and we love you. All in your son's name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. So again, if you're not really looked in this book much, it, it is very encouraging. And the first 11 uh, verses that we read right there, it's looking, it's looking pretty grim for the Jews. It ain't looking good at all for these people. Uh, and if you think about where they had been, had come from, uh, their, their people had been exiled. And they have finally got to return home. And, and here is the temple uh, that has been in ruins for years. And, and they hadn't done nothing. Uh, and, and I like Haggai. I like the way that he goes in here at the very beginning of it. And he says, is it, the t- is it, is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lying waste, he's fussing. He said, why is it your time to be in houses with roofs and ceilings on it? Why? What's so great about your house? Why did you go to your house first instead of my house first? You think about what happened to, to Noah once he got off the ark. What did Noah do? He, got, he stepped off that ark and he went straight down and built an ark, altar. The very first thing he done before he done anything else on dry land, he got off the boat and he built an altar and he worshipped God. These people, their families had been in exile. They had been wandering around for years and they finally get to come back home. God allows them to come home. What do they do the very first thing? They go home. They go to their house. They didn't go to God's house. They didn't go back to the temple. They went home. And they put ceilings up and roofs up and they lived for 16 years in their homes and the weeds were growing up through the temple. Everything's falling apart. Their lives, they thought, were good. They wasn't nothing like they needed to be. What did they need to do? They need to go back to God's house. You ever Think about it. Whenever you're broken, whenever you feel like you've been in exile, when you feel like you haven't been right where you need to be in life, Where's a great place to go? The altar. A good place to go when you feel broken? The altar. A good place to go when you feel like you've been abandoned? You go to the altar. That's where we go. I feel better when I go to the altar. 
Now, am I saying you need to come in the church and go to the altar? You don't have to. I've swung by here a time or two myself when I'm out here just to pray. Just me and God. But we've all got a place at home where we can go. We've all got a place in the woods that we can go to or your car or somewhere. But we need to, we need to be able to go to God somewhere. And these people had forgotten how to go to God. And then they were scared. They were terrified of what might happen because they knew where their people had come from. They knew where they had came from. They'd been exiled. So what happened? Oh, I may have disobeyed God. I been, well, no, they did disobey God. Is he going to punish us? Is he getting ready to exile us again? He could. He could have, but he didn't. The people hear the message from Haggai. That's what Haggai, that's what God did with, with his prophet. He said, preach. You tell them this. Tell them to fix the temple. And things will be right in their lives. And they, he preached and they listened. They listened to what Zerubbabel and Joshua listened. But then I'll take it a step further. All the people heard it. Everybody heard what's going on. Everybody was getting in on this. Because I think they had a fear. I think they feared God. But I think they may have feared in both fears. I think they had a fear as in absolutely terrified, but I think they also respected him as well. They had a reverence for God because they knew God was with their people for 40 years as they was wandering around. God was with them. But I think they were also scared that he might send them back and then forget them. But that didn't happen. We'll look at that a little bit later. Uh, God starts healing that relationship with, with him and helping them uh, uh, to be obedient to his calling. He does that with us today as well. He, does, he had never stopped, even after Haggai, after, uh, back in the Old Testament, it hasn't stopped with us. He still calls us, and he still fixes our relationship with him because a lot of us have broken relationships with God. We have put him up on a shelf like the Jews did in, in what we are just reading. The Jews put him up on a shelf and said, I'll come back later. And we do the same thing in our lives. We tend to put God up on a shelf and say, I'll pull him back down when I need him next time. Ain't that what we do when we lose a loved one? Ain't that what we do? We turn around and we reach up and we grab God off the shelf. God, I ain't talked to you since the last time somebody passed away in my family. I, I guess I need you again now. Well, what about the days in between? Because we need him every day, not just when things are bad. On days that things are great, we still need him. And on days that that things are great, we need to praise him. But these people, these Jews had put him up on a shelf and they didn't even got into the temple. And I can't imagine. We, we hear tell of these churches. I think it's an average, I think it's an average of about 4,000 churches a year, Baptist churches a year, close their doors. Can you imagine? Now, we, have, we don't have any up here right now. We do have one that's closed for the winter, but they plan to reopen in the spring. Um, can you imagine, though, these places of worship that have closed their doors? I know that I don't know if that one ever sold. Is that uh, is there one out Plum Tree? Some, I can't remember where it's at. There's one out there that I think is Presbyterian Church. Maybe that, that they closed the doors on it and they put it up for sale. That breaks my heart. Me and Garland talked about that when it closed. That breaks my heart to see a church, not just the church doors closed, but a church for sale. These people had a temple in front of them, and they watched it go to ruins. 
because they were more focused on themselves than on God. Now look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, let me go on up here. Uh, With all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God in the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him and the people did fear before the Lord. After the rebuke from God through Haggai, um, the nation was trembling. It was scared. Now, I'm going to park for just a second on something. I believe we as a nation may come to this. I believe if we as a nation don't turn back to God, we're going to be a nation in fear. Because there is a time when you start looking at uh, these states that are okay in abortion and they're okay uh, the the gay marriage thing and they're they're okay in all the sins. They're giving a thumbs up to sin. That's what they're doing. At some point, God is going to place, he's going to put some fear back in this country. Brace yourselves when it happens. I think we see it. I believe the church sees it coming. But there's still a falling away taking place. And God is going to put some fear back in this country. And he is going to, and when I say fear, I believe there's no reverence for him anymore. There's absolutely no reverence for God anymore. And we keep, we keep seeing generations die off in our churches. And there's no generations coming in to take their place which means we're becoming a minority, which means that we're not standing, we don't have enough people, I hate to say it that way, enough believers, enough Christians to take a stand. Because right now, the, the non-believers are outnumbering the believers. There's more non-church goers than church goers. So we ain't got much of a leg to stand on. And at some point, God's going to do the same thing. He's going to make us tremble in fear. We're going, we're going to be, we're going to be, I think it'll be right close to the, to the tail end of, of our time here. We're going to get awakened, a great awakening. These people, they knew that what God was saying was true. They believed him. They knew, you know what? He walked with their family for all those years in the wilderness. Not one time did he ever leave them. Amen. He kept that that pillar of fire and that cloud of smoke going the whole time. He fed them manna. He gave them water. He never left them. And I think they, they kind of had a flashback to things that were told to them. He never left us. You can trust him. You can trust God. They knew that they had placed that God up on that shelf and it was time to take him back off and make him priority in their life. They started to seek after their own selfish desires instead of what God had sent them to do, and he had sent them to rebuild that temple. And instead, they had focused on themselves and rebuilding their houses. But when Haggai delivers that that message, it strikes a nerve with the leaders, with the people. And when that happens, the switch goes off in their heads. I know what Jews do. I don't know if they did this or not, but I know Jews like to abuse themselves they like to take those those leather whips and they will beat themselves sometimes i wonder if they punish themselves i wonder if they they were so mad at themselves that they punished themselves i don't know i don't know what they did but i know that they were mad at themselves i know that they were upset 
And when that switch goes off, the Bible says, with all the remnant of the people, which means they all, they all understood what was going on. This message touched all that heard. Haggai's message didn't just hit a core group of people right here. Haggai's message struck a chord, struck a nerve, whatever you want to call it, but with everybody that was within the area of that temple. Everybody, even if they was if they was at home on Sunday watching the race, it doesn't matter. They all got the message. They all heard what was going on. And they were in fear. They were in fear. It got them on their way. Uh, it got them one way or another. another. It got to them. And they was ready. Number, first thing I'll look at, y'all thought I was already on that, didn't you? What does this teach us? When God sees sin in the camp, he's going to send somebody to preach repentance. When God sees sin in the camp, when God sees sin in your home, when God sees sin in your work, when God sees sin in your church, believe it or not, there is sin in churches. We might call this a holy place, but there's still sin in here. But when God sees sin somewhere in your life, he's going to call somebody to preach repentance. Now, it might not be me standing up here preaching repentance, but you're going to get convicted somehow through somebody. That's what God does. He's got to open our eyes. He's got to, you've got to see where you're sinning. He's got to see where that, you've got to see where that sin's coming from to fix it. So when God sees sin in the camp, he's going to send a preacher. He's going to send somebody to deliver a message. Now, this happened time and time again in the Old Testament. If you go back, one of the ones that we think of the most was Jonah. He was te- what did God tell Jonah? He said, you got to go. You got to go to Nineveh. You got to preach repentance because they're falling away. John said, No, 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 I ain't going to do that. God said, Yes, 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 you are. You ran. He ran. You run. We all run. Don't we? Yeah, we run. Now, we, we ain't got swallowed up by a great fish. I don't think anybody has. I can't get a fish to bite my line, much less swallow me up. But we run. We get in the bottom of a boat. Every one of us will get in the bottom of a boat. And God calling us to preach. God's telling us, you go, you go to that water cooler, you go to that coffee pot with so-and-so that you work with that's struggling with sin, that's struggling with whatever's going on in their lives. They ain't saved. You need to be preaching repentance. Hey, you may never have to open your mouth. You may do nothing more than sit down and bless your, your lunch. And that person finally, that conviction finally just breaks them. I don't know what it might be. Now, I know uh, we're never <laughs> in exile. We're, we're, we're not going to be exiled out. God ain't going to exile us out of, out of Avery County. And I'm pretty sure that he ain't going to be sending us back to our hometown to build a church or build a temple. We don't need to do that anymore. But what I do know is that this message applies to us today as believers in a, in a bigger way than what we're just reading right here. It's huge. There's, there's a lot more to this. If you're a professing believer, if you are out and you're telling others about Jesus, your profession of faith uh, and how it brought you to a relationship with, with Jesus, um, the relationship is based on his grace and mercy and our submission and obedience. And So that's what he's wanting us to do. Is we, it, it, Pretty much what Haggai is telling us to do in the New Testament era in the Age of Grace is give you testimony. Just give your testimony. People need to hear that. They need to hear how God is, is using you and how he's worked in your life. So give your testimony. We're all called to submit to God and his calling on our lives, every one of us. 
are called to submit to God and His will for our lives. We all have, He's got a will for every one of us. Kaylee is, what, two weeks old now? Almost? Two, or is she? Thursday. She ain't even two weeks old yet. He's got a will for her. God has a will for her. Matt, because you're, you're up there. God's still got a will for you. He's got a will for me. He's got a will for Ethan. He's got a will for Colin. He's got a will. And what God wants us to do is submit to him and to his will. He wants us to submit to him because he has a plan for us. He has a great calling for each one of us. But we've got to stop and listen. He wants us to, to stand still for just a minute and listen to what he has to say. Just be still. This one can't be still, can you? She's wide open. But be still and just listen to what God has to say because when you're still long enough, you're going to hear that still small voice and you're going to hear what he has in store for you. You're going to hear that will. Now, like the Jews, sometimes we get sidetracked and lose sight of what God desires for each one of us. We do get sidetracked. Christians get sidetracked easier than anybody else, I think, because the devil's working on us a lot harder than other people. Keith, how many times you ever sit down to study your lesson and you end up on YouTube? <laughs> or you end up on Google doing something? It happens to me all the time. Worst thing I ever did is put internet in my office. Because I'll get to studying on something, I'll say, hey, what's that word mean? And I'll Google it. And the next thing I know, I'm watching firefighters jump off a roof or something. I mean, I get so sidetracked with what I'm doing. But that's just, that's, what, that's the way the devil works. That's the way he works. He likes to sidetrack us. And he did the same thing with the Jews. How many times has it happened to you and God sent somebody in your life to remind you of your calling? Sometimes we, we, we kind of lose sight and we lose track of what God has called us to do. And sometimes, I've said this before over in Psalms 23 when he said, He maketh me lie down beside still water. Sometimes he maketh us lie down beside still water. And at that point, he makes us, because he will make you lay down. Sometimes when he makes us lay down, that's when somebody's going to come in and speak to you. And they're going to remind you of that calling that he's placed on your life. I know some preachers that have uh, left their church before and, and, and have struggled. And, and they feel like God has taken that away from them. Now, God didn't take it away from them. But they needed some encouragement. They needed someone to come to them and encourage them to keep doing what God called them to do because God called them to preach. We get discouraged. What it means is that you've lost focus and God wants to refocus you. Sometimes we lose focus on, man, we lose, man, is it not easy for us to lose focus on, on God? When we get so wrapped up and so worked up in our, our daily lives, we tend to lose focus. And again, He will maketh us to lie down beside still water and get our attention because he wants us to focus on him. Sometimes he'll shake up our lives so that we can draw our attention back to him instead of whatever we was focused on. So what happened with the Jews is they got so focused on building their own personal houses 
that they had lost track of what God had called them to do in the first place, and that was to rebuild that temple. Here the people could not handle what had been laid on them, but God was calling them to do it anyway. They didn't feel, you know, I, I wonder some, sometime if they felt unworthy after what their ancestors had done to cause them to be in exile, if they felt unworthy to be back in that temple, if they felt unworthy to rebuild that temple. Sometimes we have a bad week. Sometimes it's a week that we don't want to talk about. It's a week that we want to go by. Sometimes it's such a bad week that we don't feel worthy enough to even step foot in his doors here at the church. We don't feel like we ought to be here. It's been a week that I have said some things I shouldn't have said. I've done some things I shouldn't do that I am just too dirty and filthy sinner to even step foot in the church this week. I'm just going to lay out. I'm going to stay away because I'm not worthy to be in, in the presence of God and his people. That's the furthest thing from the truth. When you've had the worst week of your life, right here's the best place for you to be at the end of that week. Amen. Start your week off right here. I might not give an altar call, but this altar is always open. If you feel like you need to, to get things right with him, just do it. But I feel like after reading this, um, I, I still think that they may have felt unworthy to go back and try to rebuild God's house. But God promised them and he promises us. He says, if I call you to do it, I'm going to equip you to do it. That's the way he works. He's going to equip you. He's going to give you exactly what he wants you to have. And we can't lose sight of God's calling ever. When he has called us, you can't lose sight of what he's called you to do. And every one of us that's a Christian has been called first and foremost to be Christ-like, to be like him. That's a high calling right there, to be as close to him as possible. Now, we've all sinned, except for maybe Kaylee, I don't know. Not yet, anyway. It'll get there eventually. She'll become two at one time. And then we're, we're going to sin. But we can still get forgiveness of that sin. So try to strive to be like him. Now, the second thing and the last one, I've only got two for you today. We can learn about repentance through these Jews and what Haggai was preaching. Because repentance, that's a, that's a huge thing for us. That's a big thing for us. And actually, it's a, something that we don't talk about that often. Repentance is not something that we do as often as we should. Repentance is nothing more than just asking for forgiveness. Repent. God wants us to repent. He, he, he wants us to. And he gives you the same answer every time you repent. I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. He forgives every sin. And our eyes big or little. He's still forgiven, forgiven us. The people were afraid because they knew God's message was true. So when God used Haggai to preach, they knew that the words coming out of his mouth was truth. And they were, they were afraid. Instead of making excuses and trying to blame one another uh, for their situation, they decided just to be obedient. Just be obedient to God. Just fess up. Just repent. That's all he's asking you to just repent. Don't try to hide it because God sees right through you. He's saying just repent. Just ask for forgiveness and I'll forgive you. Look at, at verse 12 there. It says, um, Obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. Obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. What did they do? Ain't that awesome? They just obeyed the voice of their God. 
Didn't ask questions. Didn't try to think of some other excuse. He just said they obeyed the voice of their God. Now this shows a heart that's broken and willing to submit to God's will for them. Sometimes we've got to have our heart broken before we can ever really see what his will is for us. And we've all experienced a broken heart or two. We've all had someone taken away from us what we thought was too early, but it was God's timing. We've all experienced some heartache and heartbreak in our lives, and that's when we turn to God and we actually start to see his will for us. There can be no repentance without that, that broken heart. We've got to have that. When, when it, over in the Old Testament, I can't remember exactly. I, I want to say Obadiah, but I think this is wrong. But he, he talks about weeping between the pillars and the, and the uh, pillars and the, and the altar. He's talking about there's no repentance anymore. We don't repent. And, uh, and I've said, I know I've said this before in the, in the past. We've probably got the longest drive of anybody here, about right at 40 minutes. That's a long time to repent. If we was to repent from the time we left the house till we got to church, we'd get a lot done. But that's what he's asking us to do. Before you come into this church, before you come in to start worshiping God, he says, repent. Come into his house clean. Empty your heart out before you ever step foot through these doors and make sure that you've got everything out of your system before you come in because you will not truly, wholly worship him if you haven't repented. And that's what they're doing here. Haggai preaches, they repent. You go back to Jonah. Jonah preaches, they repent. It didn't take as long as Jonah thought it'd take. And even with Haggai, he preached, they repented. And in three weeks, they're already building that thing back. They're already rebuilding it. They, these people could have got all defensive, but they didn't because they had done wrong and they admitted it. There's a big thing, admitting that you're wrong. It happens. Hunter, you can be wrong too. I seen you crack your neck around there looking at your mama. We're all wrong. Every one of us is wrong. I get tickled. I, I know I've said this too, but Mark Lowry, he said one time when we get to heaven, we're going to find out we're all wrong about something. He's talking about different denominations going to heaven. He said we're all wrong about something. I'm somewhere. But we're all wrong. Every one of us. And it, it's okay to say I'm wrong. If Maria's ever wrong, which has only been twice in her life, I've, I have had her repeat that. When she says, I was wrong, I say, say that again. Say that one more time. When we're wrong, we need to confess it, admit it. And these people said, God, we were wrong. We were wrong. They confessed it, and they moved on, and they started on building that thing. Look at verse 13. We'll, we'll finish up here in just a second. Verse 13 says, the remnant of Israel shall not do iniquity nor speak lies, neither shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth, for they shall feed, feed and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. I am so sorry. I'm in the wrong verse, the wrong chapter. I'm sorry. We'll go back to it. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, and the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. I am with you, saith the Lord. If that don't encourage your heart, I don't know what will. Because he ain't just speaking to the Jews. He ain't just speaking, and that Jew, when I say Jews, I'm talking about here in Haggai, where we're preaching out of. He didn't just say that to them. He says that to us today, and he means it. When he says that, he says, 
I am with you, saith the Lord. That's Old Testament. He's still with us. You go back to Matthew and Mark, and you look at the Great Commission. What does God tell us? What did Jesus himself tell us? He said, Lo, I be with thee always, even to the ends of the earth. Amen. Amen. And then he finished it up with amen. Lo, I be with you always, even to the end of the earth. Amen. I love that. So we've got a promise in the Old Testament that he continues to fill in the New Testament, that he continues to fill at Chestnutdale, that he continues to fulfill in North Carolina and America and in the whole world. He continues to fulfill that promise, Lo, I be with thee always, even until the end of the earth. All four corners of it, for all you flat map people. He's always with us, no matter where we go. I still can't convince my grandma that she can fly because she says that low I be with thee means that you're on the ground the whole time. If you're in the air, he ain't with you. That, that's her excuse for not flying. She can live in her own little world. Now the people were fearful, and the leaders were afraid of what God could do. And, and you think about what he could have done. Yes, he could have sent them back into exile. Yes, he could have sent them back in the wilderness. Yes, he could have forgot his people. But that's the problem. They're his people. He ain't never going to forget his people. He's going to take care of his people. He is taking care of his people from that point on. He's always taking care of them. And he's always going to take care of us because we're his children. And he's going to protect his children just like any good parent's going to do. They're going to protect their children and do the best that they can for their children. God is protecting his children. He's protecting us right now. But I love this. God's response to their repentance I mean, they repented, and, and it was a loving response, and he says, I am with you. I am with you. He took them God-sized arms, and he wrapped them around them all, and he'd give them a big old hug, and he said, I'm with you. He embraced them. He embraces us. He always has his arm around us. He's always by our side, and he goes with us everywhere we go. I'll never leave you nor forsake you, is what he tells us. God loves a humble heart. He loves a humble heart. God, he loves a repentant heart. He loves it when we ask for forgiveness. He loves to forgive us. And he'll comfort every one of us that seek his mercy. He's going to give us what we need with that grace. But what, with that, God encourages us with his strength. Now, the, first, the last two verses, and we're going to close out. Verse 14 says, and the Lord stirred up the spirit. And the Lord stirred up the spirit. You ever get that? You ever get stirred up a little bit? The Lord just works in there and, and he stirs you up. And it says, in the fourth and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of the king, of Darius the king, the heart of the leaders and the spirit of the people were stirred because of God's faithfulness to his prophet. And to his promise. God was faithful to Haggai. He gave him the words to say. And then he's faithful to that promise. They repented. He loved them. They rebuilt. In three weeks, they started rebuilting. I didn't say he was completed in three weeks. It just said they began the work in three weeks. And they started rebuilding that. They come to accept God's plan. And we're embracing it. And we're excited to be part of it. They were excited to get involved in rebuilding of that temple. 
what they had not wanted to do for 16 years was something they were excited about now. God wants to clean us up. God wants us to repent. God wants us to continue to build his church. Now, we don't need additions. We've got to fill up these wings before we can do anything else with this church. But we can still build this church. We can still build it with people. We can build this church by having more kids, if y'all want to do that. Or just being obedient to God and inviting people to come be with us. And I know it's the winter and it's hard to get people out. There's so much sickness going on right now. And, and to be honest with you, I'm totally fine with you staying at home if you're, if you're sick. But God says, repent, get things right with me, and then I've got a will for you. I've got a calling for you. And that calling that he has for you may be you inviting others to come with you, to be with you, to worship with you, to fellowship with you. He's got a will for each one of us and a call for, calling for each one of us. God wants to reveal truth to our, in our lives Every one of our lives. He wants us to, to reveal it. He wants to, to open up our hearts to see where we need to, to fix ourselves. So when we go home this evening, think about how you can help build up the church. Help build up one another. Be an encouragement to one another. Be, you know, be like Haggai if you want to. Preach repentance. We all need it. I need it. I need to hear. I need to hear preaching repentance a lot. Preach repentance. Stand with me. We're going to close out. <laughs>